0: All right, well, we're continuing on in our study through the Gospel of John, so go ahead and grab your Bibles and open them up to John chapter 2. We finished up with John chapter 1 the last time we were together. We'll just go ahead and continue on with our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. Uh, As always, I encourage you to uh, follow along with us in your Bibles if you're in a position where you can do so. I also encourage you to uh, read the Bible daily for yourself. Don't make this the only time that you're hearing the Bible, though if it is, uh, I pray that you're blessed in it. But uh, like I said, I really encourage you to to dig into the Word of God as often as you can. Uh, Imagine if you only ate one physical meal a week. You would eventually shrivel up and die, and the same holds true for your spiritual well-being. If you're not uh, eating and drinking regularly from God's Word, you will spiritually shrivel up and die. So, you remember last week, we talked about the three invitations that Jesus gives in the book of John, one being, come and see. In other words, bring your life to Jesus and find out for yourself who He is. In chapter 1, we saw where John, Andrew, Peter... Philip and Nathaniel all came to Jesus and would never be the same. In John chapter 7, when we get there, we'll see the invitation of Jesus to come and drink. He provides for us living water that quenches our spiritual thirst. And in chapter 21 of the Gospel of John, he invites us to come and dine. Sit down and make yourself at home with Jesus. And for us today, we respond to these three invitations, I believe, by feasting on his word and coming before him in prayer. So don't let this be the only time during the week that you're coming before the Lord and and sitting down with him and dining with him in his word, feasting on his word. But we'll go ahead today and we'll pick it up in John chapter 2 at verse 1, where it says, On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, notice here that John, the writer of this gospel, does not refer to Mary by name. He simply calls her the mother of Jesus. John's gospel emphasizes the life and the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh, and all this, all the fullness of the Godhead was all wrapped up in Jesus alone. He did not need a co-savior or a teammate to help him with the redemption of mankind. We are complete in Christ and Christ alone. Okay, verse 2. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Now, I want to stop and point a couple things out here. First of all, Jesus was invited to the wedding. He was fun to be around. People loved his presence. But sometimes we Christians can present Jesus in such a way that no one wants to be around us. You see, Jesus wasn't like that. He was kind and tender-hearted, and people were attracted to him. The religious leaders couldn't stand him because he wasn't like them, but the ordinary people loved to gather around him and spend time in his presence. The religious leaders saw his power and charisma, and they couldn't stand the fact that he wouldn't fall in line with their way of thinking. He was a friend to sinners. Let's uh, turn to Luke chapter 7. Right before the Gospel of John is the Gospel of Luke. So go ahead and turn back there and we'll look at Luke chapter 7. And let's uh, start reading in verse 29. So Luke 7, 29. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. Now, justified God there means that They agreed with God's will for their lives. Verse 30 says, But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by Him. And the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in a marketplace and calling to one another, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came, neither eating nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come, eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a winebibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners." You see, Jesus was loved by the common people because he loved them. And back in John chapter 2, we see that he was invited to this wedding along with his disciples. And the second thing that I want to point out here in regards to Jesus being invited to this wedding is that it wasn't his wedding, now I know that sounds ridiculous, but there is a church out there that says this was Jesus' wedding. There's a religion that that teaches that. Well, I'm not sure, first of all, if he would need to get invited to his own wedding. You know, uh, when my son got married, um, as far as I know, he didn't receive an invitation. <laughs> but anyway, just... A couple of observations there for those verses, for that verse in particular, verse 2. But let's move on to verse 3. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. You see, there was a problem here. And Mary couldn't fix the problem. She had no power whatsoever to perform a miracle. To run out of wine in that day was a social blunder. To fail in adequately providing for the guests was a disgrace. And to the Jews, wine was a symbol of joy. And this kind of mistake was something that would not be quickly forgotten and it would ruin the day for the bride and the groom. But why did Mary bring this problem to Jesus? Why did she think that Jesus could solve this problem? The Bible really uh, doesn't tell us specifically why she brought this problem to him. But the Bible does tell us what was on Mary's heart in regards to Jesus. There was something deep within her that may have been the cause of her thinking he could solve this wine shortage problem. Let's turn again to the Gospel of Luke. This time, let's look at chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and um, we can never get enough of the Word of God, so I'm just going to go ahead and read through the first 19 verses of Luke chapter 2. So hopefully you're there and you're following along with us. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. were there. The days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Notice there that she brought him forth and she wrapped him. You know, there was no midwives or no doctors there. Now verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds As made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherd. And here's the key verse for our study today verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. You see, Mary had just brought forth a child, and she knew that this child was from God because she had never been with a man, and an angel came to her 9 months before this great day and told her that she would be with child, and now he was born. And she ponders all these things in her heart. The Savior, the Messiah, The king of kings is in her arms. And did that make Mary a special person? Sure it did. She was highly favored among women. But John the Baptist was pretty special too. And if you remember, Jesus said so himself by calling John the greatest prophet. But John's great work was complete when Jesus came into his earthly ministry. And the role that Mary played in in the redemption of mankind was to be the one that God used to become flesh. From that point, she was simply going to be the mother of Jesus. Not the mother of God, but the mother of this man-child, Jesus. She would now nurture and care for him as he grew up, just like any other mother. But the Bible never refers to Jesus as the son of Mary. The Bible refers to him as the son of God. And Mary, after his birth, kept these miraculous events and and would ponder them in her heart for many years to come. So when Mary came to Jesus with this problem at the wedding, back in John chapter 2, she probably did so with a longing in her heart hoping that he would reveal himself. It's been a long time for her. She was a wonderful woman. And she had this child out of wedlock and she had that whole thing hanging over her head for all these years, for 30 years now. So she brings this problem to Jesus after she has pondered all these things about who he really is in her heart. But Jesus responds to Mary in verse 4 of John chapter 2. And he says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. You know, oftentimes today we hear someone say, woman? And it sounds disrespectful. And oftentimes I believe it is. But Jesus is not being disrespectful to Mary here. But he doesn't call her mother or mom. And in this scripture, it's emphasizing to me that he now had a different relationship with Mary. She's a woman here on the earth, and he is God in the flesh. He is now about his father's business. But I believe that Mary was hopeful that he would reveal his divine nature, and do something to fix the problem. The wine had run out. And you know what? Wine being a symbol of joy, the world's joy always runs out. But the joy that Jesus gives is ever new and ever satisfying. So Mary turns away and then utters some of the most awesome words for all of us to read today. Mary says to the servants in verse 5, Whatever he says to you, do it. You know, there's not many recorded words of Mary in the Bible, but these are wonderful words. Whatever he says to you, do it. Mary's words wouldn't solve any problem. She couldn't solve the wine shortage problem. Mary is not someone we are to pray to or desire to hear from. She said so herself here, do what he says, speaking of Jesus. Remember in chapter 1 how we kept seeing John the Baptist deflect the attention away from Himself and point people to Jesus. Well, now we see Mary doing the same thing. You see, there is no other name under heaven or given under heaven whereby we can be saved. To make someone equal with Jesus is ridiculous. And it's a shame what has happened to Mary's name. She was a good woman used by God for a great purpose. And she uttered these words, whatever he says to you, do it. Look at verse 6. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. You see, the purpose of these water pots Being there was for ceremonial washings. The Jews were big on purification, and they would use these pots to wash their hands in a very ritualistic manner. A saying amongst the Jews at that time was, He who uses much water in washing will gain much wealth in this world. You see, they thought that blessings came as a result of how clean they could keep themselves. And that is a religious way of thinking. That blessings will come as a result of how clean you can keep yourself. You know, we think like, God will accept me and bless me if I'm a good person. If I'm just a little bit better than the next guy, I'll be all right with God. But it's not a matter of what we do or don't do. It's not about how clean we keep ourselves. Jesus was speaking to the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. And he said in verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of Dead men's bones and all uncleanness. You see, our attempts to get clean leaves us as old, empty pots. But Jesus brought something new. He brought a new wine, a different kind of joy. There would never be any better than this. At this wedding, he used these old, empty water pots And he told the servants there in verse 7 to fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Now, remember, these servants are doing whatever he says. And Jesus just very simplistically tells them to fill the water pots with water. These servants could have been thinking, they don't need water, Jesus. They need wine. But he said, fill the water pots with water. And they did. There was no prayer offered up here. No laying on of hands. No binding of Satan. He didn't even touch the water. He didn't taste it afterwards to see if it became wine. He simply told them in verse 8, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. The water became wine. And the servants obeyed the words of Jesus and took it to the master of the feast. And in verse 9, it says, When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Now, here these servants are taking part in a miraculous event, the first miracle of Jesus. And they are bringing to the master of the feast this water that is no longer water but wine. They were doing this how? They were doing this by faith. They were simply obeying the words of Jesus. But in so doing, they were bringing to the master of this feast the answer to the problem. Sometimes we want to say, Lord, why are you telling me to put water in these pots? I need wine. But the miracle is in the obedience. Miracles happen after we step out of the boat, if you will. And as servants of Jesus, we are to do whatever he says. The answers to all of life are found in trusting and obeying the words of Jesus. It may not always make sense. His ways are not our ways. His ways are much higher than ours. And the master of the feast gets this new wine delivered to him, and he probably smells it and swirls it around in his mouth and is blown away by how good it is. And he called the bridegroom over and said in verse 10, said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, You have kept the good wine until now. He had no clue where it had come from. The servants knew because they were obedient to the word of Jesus. God in the flesh. Look, um, Psalm 34. Actually, I'm just going to read it. You can look it up yourself. Just one short verse, Psalm 34, 8. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. I want to read that again. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. You see, blessings don't come as a result of outward purification and works. We are blessed because we trust in him. And when the master of this wedding feast called the bridegroom over and said to him, we have no idea uh, what the bridegroom's response was when the master of the feast said this to him. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I don't know what he said, but the feast had just become a whole lot better. And when Christ is invited into a life, the old is out and all things become new. And another thing, when Christ is invited into a marriage, it's a much better party. If you invite Jesus to the wedding, In other words, you go get married in a church in the name of Jesus and all that. If you invite Jesus to the wedding, keep him in the marriage. As a matter of fact, make him the focal point of your marriage. You see, Jesus didn't come to set up a new religion for us to follow. It's not about new rituals to to perform. It's a relationship with the true and living God and He is the answer to any and all problems. He takes what is old and empty and He fills it up with something new. He can take the broken and fix it. He can take what's dead and bring it back to life. Mary didn't have the answer, and religion doesn't have the answer. Jesus is the answer, and you can have a personal relationship with him. We must get a grasp of this truth, and we must be willing to trust and obey every word of Jesus, every word of God. At this wedding, they probably thought that they had good wine. But they fell short. And you know, every one of us has fallen short. But the best is yet to come. Make Jesus your focal point. This miracle that Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee was a very significant miracle. It says in verse 11, This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him this was the beginning the very first time that Jesus manifested his glory mary was now vindicated the things that she pondered in her heart for 30 years had now been made evident to all you see jesus didn't crawl on water as a baby and do miracles through his whole childhood. This was the first. And there was a lot more great works to come. He's still doing wonderful works today. And Mary had faith that this day would come. And that's why she brought this problem to Jesus. And all of us today can bring anything and all things to Jesus at any time. But it all begins with bringing our lives to a place where we are ready to do whatever he says to do. Are you there? Is that where your heart is? Is your heart in a place where you are willing to be obedient to the word of God? Then I exhort you, open your Bibles, read your Bibles, Seek the Lord with all of your heart. He's he's there for you to find. He desires to come into your heart. He desires to, to give you new life. He desires to take those old pots that we've made ourselves and fill them with something new. He desires to give you joy within. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love for us. Oh, Lord, oh, Father God, you so love the world that you gave your only begotten Son. And Lord, as we continue to read your word, our prayer, Lord, is that we will continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you. Lord, you know our hearts. You know our needs. You know our thoughts are far off. So, Lord, our prayer, too, is that we would be obedient to your every word. Cause our hearts to know who you really are, not to know religion, to not know the ways of man, man man-made religion, to not know ceremonial and ritualistic type things, but to know you, Jesus, just to know you, Thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us your word that we may see these things and know the truth about who you are, Lord Jesus. I pray that you'll bless us now as we go forth. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless, guys.